how do you have the mentality or the tenacity to, to start a job, you know, start a company? I was like, I don't give myself an option to fail. There's, I get obsessive. I'm, you know, like bulldogs are like, the ball, 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 ball. I am very much like Fran. Like I am singularly obsessive. And if you think about plan B, then you open the opportunity for plan B to happen. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that... Christmas Abbott is a professional athlete, branding advisor, transformational guru, motivational speaker, TV personality, and one of my favorite badasses around, and she's a soon-to-be mother. Christmas has created the Badass Body Diet, BBX Challenge, competed in the CrossFit Games and Olympic weightlifting, became the first female member of a NASCAR pit crew, and joined the cast of CBS's Big Brother Season 19. But before she could accomplish all of those amazing things, Christmas had to find her purpose. Christmas grew up dirt poor, surrounded by a not-so-positive influences, especially when it came to her health. She didn't realize it at the time, but she became a product of that environment. Then, when she was in her early 20s and employed as a civilian contractor in Iraq, Christmas was working at a location when it was bombarded by mortar rounds. And those explosions shocked Christmas to her core, and she came to two important realizations. Number one, well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share those in the episode, and she's going to share those in the episode. So you'll just have to listen to what those two major revelations were. But Christmas realized that we all have the power to change, and she chose to start making better decisions, and that her mindset dictated her decisions, and she made Choices that empowered her to accomplish great things ever since. Our purpose and mission is always within us, and we just have to be like Christmas and make the decision to claim it today. So bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Christmas Abbott, what's up? Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur <laughs> Show. Super stoked that Aaron Hind connected us and... Um, I'm really, I've been a huge fan of yours. We were just talking before we hit the record button about Greg Amundsen. And I actually missed your Badass Body Life seminar that was at our gym. And, but I've been following you for a long time. I've seen your little, your NASCAR documentary with you like doing that <laughs> bam, 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 in your living room. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So super pumped to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, having me really. You know, you are very close ties with two of my favorite people and that's, that's, it just shows your character right away. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I appreciate that. So as we were talking, I always love to to start at kind of the origin, like like the roots of who we are, because it's it really our experiences and our environments 
are what shape us. And so there's, there's no doubt that family has a, an incredible role in an influence in who we become in the world, at least in the beginning. And then we start making our own choices and stuff. So tell us a little bit about your family. I know that you have a lot of love for your family. Uh, what was it like growing up in the Abbott family? Um, you know, I think that we all have, we have different types of family, you know, and I have my blood family, which are just as crazy as I am. <laughs> they are wonderful. Uh, but it, it's a different lifestyle that we, I grew up in and the lifestyle we were just biker, you know, my parents were bikers. Uh, we were very, you know, there's variations of poor. We were dirt poor, um, at least in my early, early adolescence. And, you know, we, that means that we just had to lean on each other a lot more. I watched my family struggle. I watched my family come together and support each other in times of tragedy. And it's, it's that type of exposure that gives me my drive today. You know, I can, I can attribute a lot of my tenacity to watching my parents struggle and try and provide the best for us, but also coming to my defense and, um, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't like a healthy, uh, like not, I'm not talking about like emotional unhealthy, but like, uh, we weren't health conscious in the sense of we weren't like eating eggs and peanut butter and apples for breakfast and going running and going to the gym and trying new sports. Um, you know, my parents smoked, they drank and, you know, they worked at bars. And so I became a product of that environment, but I also had the power to change being a product of that environment. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, you know, and, and through my lifetime, my parents have changed their lifestyles. Uh, my mom more so than, than my father, but my father, you know, just because he didn't have that health conscious forward mentality doesn't mean that he didn't love me. He, he loved me less, you know, mm -hmm. he, I could call him right now and he'd show up at my door and say, who do I need to kill at Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> biker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, they, they always made it work. And that mentality of there's no other choice other than to get up and do the work that you need to do. Um, and you are the ruler of your universe really resonates with me. And I want to, I want to pause you for a second because I don't want to miss some of these things because, <laughs> because there's, there, there's a lot that you're just said in the first, like, like a minute of our conversation. <laughs> And, and it has to do with environment. It has to do with your identity of quote unquote being dirt poor. And, and then something that you said, which was really powerful and that ties back into environment is the power to change. Yes. And, and I, I don't want to miss that because the, like, I think that, you know, the, the concept of being dirt poor, like, I, I kind of want to start there. I want to know, did you actually, did you know what that, did you know that you were dirt poor? I mean, or did it, did that in reflecting back where you're like, well, geez, we were dirt poor. I mean, like what was your experience? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. Not at the time, you know, we just, we just had fun. We, mm -hmm. you know, we played, I wore my Easter dress for as long as I possibly could, because I knew that it was the only dress that I was really going to get for the year. And I loved it. Oh, wow. I'd go play in the dirt. Literally I'd play in the dirt and climb trees in it, but we, we didn't go without need. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they always provided us the the basics of life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got a little bit older, middle school, uh, junior high, that I realized what kind of economic uh, stature we were in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I mean, to be honest, I was 14 years old for my for, my first job, mm-hmm. and it was because I asked for something. And it wasn't what I needed. It was what I wanted. And my mm-hmm. mom was, my dad, excuse me, my dad was like, get a job, chap. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's how this works. You know, yeah. if I want something that they're not going to provide uh, in the sense of outside of what I actually need on a day-to-day life, then I'm going to have to provide this for myself. Mm-hmm. And that included my first car, uh, my prom dress, um, literally anything that was beyond sustaining life. They were just like, we don't, we can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they pushed me, not pushed me to get a job, but they just pushed me to, to be able to provide for myself no matter where I am in life and not have to rely on somebody else. Mm -hmm. What a powerful lesson. Obviously at the time when you're 14 years old, you're like, man, this sucks. But like, (laughs) it didn't though. I was excited. I liked working by the way. I didn't, because I didn't know any other option. Right. And I think that that's still true in my life is that people are like, oh, how do you decide to, or how do you have the mentality or the tenacity to, to start a job, you know, start a company? I was like, I don't give myself an option to fail. There's, I get obsessive. I'm, you know, like bulldogs are like the ball, 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 ball. I am very much like Fran. Like I am singularly obsessive. And if you think about plan B, Mm-hmm. then you open the opportunity for plan B to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's just not mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. Quotable. That's a quotable. <laughs> you know, my, my mom's nickname for me is Mikey Bulldog because I'm the same thing. <laughs> well, I'll have to pull Fran in here. She's out there just <laughs> making some noises because she is FOMO like a mofo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, um, the, I actually had a similar experience, you know, in that, in that one of my first jobs was when I was 15 and it was because my parents wanted me to, to learn. I'm one of six kids. Okay. I'm the, I'm the second oldest of six. And my parents were like, listen, we love you. We're sending you to private school and we're going to give you all the basic essentials, but you need to, you need to learn how to work, you know? I love it. And so I had to go fill out one of those child work permits you know, yeah. and my first job was pumping gas at a gas station, which was a fantastic way to learn about serving others. And, you know, I plugged tires, you know, with that mm-hmm. stuff and don't ask me how to do it today. Cause I could you had to communicate to other yeah. human beings, communicate, you know, <laughs> exactly of different, all kinds of different people, you know, yeah, I bust tables. Yeah. I, I, I did that too. You know, one yeah. point, you know, it's, it's interesting because you didn't know that you were quote unquote dirt poor until you entered uh, school, uh, junior high and high school where the, the comparison conundrum started to take place. Yeah. And, and there's this great quote by Theodore Roosevelt, the comparison is the thief of all joy. And earlier this year, I had a guy named Aaron Bali on the show. Okay. And he, he's the founder of a company called Udemy, Udemy. EMY.com. They're the largest online learning platform. You can go, you can go and teach badass body life on there right now, you know? Um, and, uh, they have 55,000 different courses and like, you know, a millions of students and they're a multi hundred million dollar year company privately owned. Guess where he came from? A, a village in Southern Turkey where they had a one room classroom K through eight. And he literally had to walk through the snow to get to school every day. 
And, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, God, that's a tremendous amount of adversity. How did you? And then I, then I had like this light went off. I'm like, wait a second. He's not looking at that as adversity. That's just how he grew up. Yeah. But then I'm like, well, shoot. That means that when, when he gets to a place where there's all of this efficiency and he doesn't have to walk through the snow, man, he's going to be able to handle anything. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, for me, um, you know, I, I'm a lover of life. I like to try new things, experience new things. And I fell in love with working early on. And, you know, it didn't necessarily keep me out of trouble in high school or, you know, uh, my early 20s, but it definitely keeps me out of trouble now. Yeah. And I love the process of creating, of, of having an idea applying a system, creating, and then seeing a tangible product. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, I don't know if, I mean, maybe my background, I I believe my background helped um, create my tenacity for that, but the, the passion for what I do creates the drive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, if I get to a point when, and if I get to a point where I don't have to work, uh, I will still work. Somebody um, asked me the other day, they were like, what happens if you win the lottery Christmas? I was like, same thing that I'm doing every day, except for I'm going to hire more help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <Immediately. exactly. laughs> totally. You um, know, the, the, uh, there's, have you ever heard of that, that, um, that analogy of the two ships, they, they start off at the same point and one, one person's rudder is one degree different. And so they end up going completely different directions. I'm very fascinated by the con- like the environment. Like so, there's there's people that are that grow up in the same environment, right? The same circumstances, and yet they're still there, and you're there. And one of the things you said earlier was the power to change. When did you realize that? You know, I, I think that I I didn't really really acknowledge it or own it until I was 22. And this is, I was, I had just gotten a job in Iraq, um, in 2004, I had just turned 22, went overseas, civilian contractor, completely ill-prepared. And I was rejected by the military for health issues before I knew it. And I didn't know about waivers. Right. So I wanted to still serve my country in some capacity, but I, it was also a really great job opportunity for me at the time. Before I went over, I'd been like smoking and drinking and, and, doing very hard, heavy drugs consistently for like the last nine years. Mm. And I was in country and we had mortar rounds come in like the first two to three weeks that I was there. We had uh, essentially uh, rockets come into our camp and a couple hundred feet or a couple hundred meters from where I was sleeping. And that will, I mean, it shocked me to my core. I leaped out of bed. I looked around and I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, why am I here? Why am I in this place that I could potentially die? And then in that moment, I realized several things. One, that I didn't want to die. But two, I had been making decisions that were affecting my life or death situation for a long time. I had put myself in very comfortable positions. I had been smoking consistently for nine years. I would get blackout drunk in a war zone where if mortars come in or an invasion happens, like I'm completely helpless to my own degree, you know, to, for my own decision. Right. And in that moment, I was like, holy crap, I don't necessarily have the self-worth that I think that I sh- am worthy of this beautiful life, but I know that I don't want to die. And mm. so 
that, that moment, that epiphany for me led me to start making better decisions. And I was like, look, I, I knew like I'm having a very fast internal conversation with myself. <laughs> it's, it, it was literally in a flash of a moment. And I'm very fortunate to have that type of clarity that quickly where a lot of people struggle with it. But in that moment, I just said, okay, I'm just going to make better changes. I just want something better for myself. Mm-hmm. And that has navigated and dictated my decisions forevermore. And I still own that. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful about that is that over time, very slowly, I'm starting making, you know, not the best decision every single time, but better decisions. And what that looks like is, um, I started pushing myself away from the things that I didn't want to be associated with anymore, smoking, drinking. And so I made decisions. I was like, instead of going playing poker at night where I know they're going to be drinking and smoking, I'm going to go play a different game with some people that I'm probably going to be bored out of my mind and not enjoy it, but it's a lesser of two evils, right? And so I I endured that for a while until I found my own rhythm and my own passions. And it didn't happen without the willingness to explore. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of, I I started to push away from the problems that I didn't want to be associated with. And eventually I got over the hump, which I call the life continuum is I started pulling myself towards the things that I wanted to emulate, like somebody that is positive, influential, somebody that is making, you know, working towards something bigger than themselves, somebody that is, um, healthy and can keep up with their grandchildren one day, uh, and not Mm self-sabotaging. Why didn't you want to die? And I say, I don't, I don't ask that question. Like flip. I mean, it's a deep question. Really like, great. I don't want to die, but like, okay, why? You know, um, I won't say that I knew it in the time. I just, during the time that I was making all these bad decisions, I didn't like the decisions that I was making. I didn't actually enjoy the process. Yeah. You have fun when you party, but let's be realistic. Like how fun is it to be hungover? Mm-hmm. Um, how fun is it to look at somebody and say, well, I just gave them so much of myself for no reason and they didn't earn it or deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just, you, you get tired of being tired. And even though I was living a, an unhealthy lifestyle and I had no self-worth, that didn't mean that I didn't think that eventually I would be worth something. And I knew that. I just decided to be a victim of my circumstances for a long time. And I got tired of that. Mm-hmm. And I, one of my company mantras and my life mantras, my personal mantras is to, is that you can either be a victim of your own circumstances or you can be the leader of your changes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there wasn't one thing that I thought that I was going to be able to contribute to the world of like, I don't want to die because I want, I want to do this. It's just that I knew that I had been living a lie for the last almost decade of mm-hmm. a person that I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. That's really, I mean, super powerful. And, you know, the, uh, the, the, you're just reminding me of this quote that I read in an article when I was getting ready for, for the interview and one of the articles wrote it, and I can see it right now because you, you, your face does glow with confidence and joy. You know, your Instagram stuff glows with confidence and joy. You love life. You love people. You love helping people and pulling people out. I see behind you right now their Persian, pur- purpose, mission, positioning, <laughs> and then born. Like I love your like born relentless. You know, all that stuff is like a manifestation of of who you really are and the greatness that was always in you. And that's the thing I think that people 
don't realize is that when they think about life, they think about that they have to go out and find something, right? They have to go search for, for their purpose and their mission and everything. But I believe that it's, it's in it, in us and that we have to claim it and that we had can look at our life experiences as something that happened to us or happened for us. And it's all about your point of view. And, and I'm, I'm passionate about, this is like my, this is my thing. Like I want to like reach into your heart right now. And like, and, it fluttered, and, and, <laughs> like that graphic was it fluttered. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, I just, I just love this stuff because I'm the, the 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 problem with the world right now is people don't believe that they have a purpose. Uh, my background is my main gig is I'm a financial advisor. Okay, and, hey. I, work, and, and I work with people all across the country at, at varying levels of success. And I was telling someone the other day they asked me to write my bio for them because I was going on their show. And I said, you know what? In my career over the last 14 years, I've learned that the number one crisis that people face is not a financial one. It's a lack of purpose. And, and so going back to that quote, your face glows with confidence. It glows with joy, but that wasn't always the way for you. And so when you look back right now, what is the difference between the Christmas who needed a quote food and a hug versus the, the Christmas who is the author of the badass body life, the badass body, this CrossFit celebrity. I know you might not like that word, but you are and, and in CrossFit fitness in, in influencer. And I love that you're getting emotional about this right now because I'm speaking truth, right? And it's beautiful. And you're, you've got this military, military contractor experience and then a NASCAR pit crew. I mean, like, this is amazing. You, you're living an amazing life. So who would have thought, right? And what's the difference between then and now? Um, that honestly, it comes down to as simple as being willing to take a risk and fail miserably. And, you know, when, I mean, at that point in my life, when I realized that I didn't want to die, I had nothing else to lose. I mean, I didn't have anything to live for. I created it all. And I get so, so passionate about trying to help people find their own purpose and passion. And I, you know, that's why I create the programs that I do. That's why I have, you know, the name of my supplement nine is born relentless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it's important to me to share my story, share my struggle because it is going to help somebody. Hopefully it will reach somebody and they won't have to endure as much pain and, and destruction that I did to myself. Mm -hmm. And that there's some really cool stories that people have sent me. And I've had conversations about people hearing my struggle and knowing that they are meant for something else. And here's the thing is your passion is not going to find you. Right. It's not, it's not going to fall in your lap. It will not. You have to go out there and not necessarily look for your passion, but be willing to try something new, be willing to fail at something, to be mm-hmm. not good at it. Well, let's back up. Cause you were like, you were like 95 pounds when you uh, yes. first started, right? And I smoked, I smoked for not, and people were like, Oh, you are, you are young. You quit smoking. I was like, I was smoking regularly at 13. Uh, I had been smoking on and off since nine. And we were like, how is that possible? I'm like, well, that's what I was exposed to every day. How did I not get started earlier? And, you know, it's just to look back and to the reason I have such a unique 
exceptional life is because I've just been terrified that I'm not going to live up to my full potential. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, that day, it was in February, 2004. Um, it, it shook me and I knew that I had wasted so much time already and I couldn't waste any more time. Mm, man, you know, in that moment, I'm very into words. Okay. And the meaning of words. And there's a great book. I'm going to, you get, you got to write this one down as one of my mentors. Um, he uh, is a guy named Kevin Hall. He was a, a colleague of Stephen Covey's and uh, he wrote a book called Aspire, Discover Your Life's Purpose Through the Power of Words. And I mean, when you understand the meaning of words, the way that you use them in your life with others and conversing with others, but more importantly, in the quiet of your own mind changes. I love that, the quiet of your own. Oh yeah, dude. That's where we spend ninety yeah. percent of our time. Yeah, you know, the it's the quiet of our own mind. I mean, like when you were lying on the ground when you did Big Brother after you broke your ankle. I mean, your foot. And we're gonna get there. You were having a even though you were groaning, but you were having an internal conversation that was happening probably as fast as those mortar rounds flying mm-hmm. into the compound when you were in Iraq. Yeah. But I don't want to go there yet. <laughs> okay. Like I want to put I'll that in the parking lot. <laughs> But but when 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 you start when you had those mortars going going off and you were like I don't want to die guess what you started to do you started to love yourself right and you started to believe that you were worthy and guess what the word believe means this is this is what he just told me and I'm like Poof, okay the word the the suffix in the word believe if you split it up be and then leave leave is a German root, rooted word and it means love. I am, you just dropped some knowledge on me and I am blown away. <laughs> so when you believe in yourself, you are loving yourself. And when you believe other in others, you're loving them. I mean, like, isn't that so powerful? I just get so pumped up about that. Like, and you can yeah. receive that, yeah. you know, you can receive that and embrace that. And, and that's why I'm like, okay, before you could do anything, you had to believe that you are worthy of being loved and that you were capable and that you could create something. You had to believe in yourself, you know? And I think that that's what precedes everything else, achievement. You know, here's the thing about that is where people, I tell them like, look, even if you don't believe it right now, get started, it will happen. The action sometimes, you know, and it's a, it's almost, almost like nature versus nurture argument. You know, if you mentally go forward, then it will follow. Or if you physically go forward, your mental will follow, follow and vice versa, you know, just get started. The magic will happen. Mm-hmm. I promise you. Mm-hmm. But if you sit there and wait for it to come to you and crawl in your lap in your little apartment, it is not going to happen. So you have to take action, whether it's in your mind or your body, whatever it is, that mm-hmm. it will either or will follow suit. Yeah. And the important thing, a really important note about action is that it doesn't mean that you actually have to go do that thing right away. It could be that you begin to take action by investigating the next best step, right? Like I, I joined, I'm in Santa Cruz, you know, the the Mecca of CrossFit and there's CrossFit is like Starbucks. There's one on every (laughs) corner in Santa Cruz. And, and I spent a lot of time 
researching which gym to go. They're, they're all great. They're all great, you know? And I spent every like time investigating. I spent a year of like just trying to see where like where I was drawn to, you know? And that's why I ultimately chose Greg's, Greg's gym. Um, but you took action I think and that, you looked into it and you, weren't, yeah, you didn't know what you were, the outcome was going to be. And I think that so many people get caught yeah. up on needing to know what it is their passion is and how that blueprint looks like and what the return is going to be. Um, I am literally launching a, a, a nutrition coaching platform and we don't know a lot of that stuff. And people were like, oh, it's just mismanaging <laughs> business. I'm like, no, it's called life. Like life happens and you can have projections, you can have analysis, you can have an idea of what it's going to look like. But until you actually get out and start doing it, there is no real application. There's no educated decision that is there. And what you did is you took an idea Mm -hmm. and you were like, I'm not going to allow this idea to dictate my my ending um, until I experience Mm -hmm. it. And I challenge people all, all the time, like try something new. You never know where it was lead to, right? I, I went yeah. on a whim to go to NASCAR. Didn't know it was going to lead me. I had no idea I was going to make history. No idea. And then, but here's the thing is I knew when I found out that we were going to be changing tires, I was like, I'm going to hate this. This is dumb. Somebody give me an emergency call and get me out of here. Right. I had a perceived experience in my mind. I went right. out there. I mm-hmm. fell in love with it. And then I had an actual experience to be able to base a real opinion off of. So those people are like, Oh, I don't like running. Or like, I don't like, um, CrossFit or I don't like this or that. I'm like, have you tried it? And they're like, no, but I know why. I'm like, then you don't really know. Yeah, totally. You know, it's, you know, that quote comparison is the thief of joy. I was thinking about that the other day. And then I came up with this other one that that's related. If that's true, if comparison is a thief of joy, then admiration is the thief of progress. Because just simply admiring someone, you don't do anything. Like we, we you, you've got, I don't know what, like 700,000 followers on Instagram or whatever, Pretty something close. like that, which is amazing. <laughs> but like, you don't want 700 people just swiping on your Instagram story. How powerful would it be if you had 700,000 people that, that is why, I mean, that is why, you know, I've been so much, you know, okay. So there's, there's been seasons in my life and some of those seasons have been really, um, private. Uh, and some of those seasons have been really uh, exposed and I've been through the last season that I, I just was like, look, people need to know that, you know, and, and I've documented a lot of my success struggle throughout the way, but it's always been on the up and up. Right. And then last year, it was like not real rude. It was 2017. It was like Christmas. We're gonna sh- we're gonna teach you some lessons because you've been ignoring us for a while. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and for me, the definition of failure is either quitting or not learning your lesson. And I failed in some areas in life. And life decided to come back and say, hey, you didn't listen the first time, Christmas. You didn't listen the second time. Here you go. Here's your lesson. And it was so powerful and impacting to me in my life and in my core and my business. I mean, it affected everything. But I was like, okay, people need to know that just because they perceivably make it, that there is still a struggle and there's still this, this vulnerability that you kind of have to not protect, but just embrace. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. 
based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. Yeah, I just heard this great acronym for for the word fail okay. recently. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I've and I've got four kids. So I, you know, I, I was teaching them. <laughs> I know. Busy um, dad. And, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and um, and I was I was thinking of, I was helping them on their math homework. And and my one of my daughters was was struggling, you know. And then I happened to see this acronym just the other day. Fail stands for first attempt in learning. I didn't even know. I didn't know that. <laughs> I love it so much. You know, I, I, I mean, isn't that it. awesome? And then I love something. I love something you just said. Your success struggle, like success is growth is a struggle. I mean, like if anybody has ever been into the gym or done anything physically that ex- exerted. Amount, a big amount of energy. It's in order to grow, you have to go through. It's so uncomfortable. Struggle. I mean, you know, the gym physically uncomfortable, also mentally, you know, uh, and, and it's, yeah. it's exhausting. And what I love about failure is that it, it really tests how bad you want it and what you're willing to sacrifice and do to achieve it. And mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. a litmus test for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the word passion, <laughs> You've said that a couple of times. I'm going to drop another knowledge bomb on you. (laughs) This, but it's going to change the way. I mean, it it will, it will reinforce how you view passion because passion literally means the willingness to suffer for something. That is true. Like if it's, it's Paseo, it's, it's a Latin rooted word, you know, which is like sacrifice. I mean, it's like super powerful when you think about that. So when you, when you look at, like when you step back and you reflect on where you are now and where you've yeah. been, and there's obviously all of these people out there that are critics, that are pessimists, that are naysayers, that are, that are jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who, right? What do you think is the number one thing that people misunderstand about you? This could be um, a fault of mine, but I have no idea. And I'll tell you why I have no idea. Because I don't give a shit. Okay. I know that what I'm doing is driving with positive intention. Virtual fist bump on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know that what I'm doing feeds my soul. It is putting a positive footprint into this world. It's bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And uh, frankly, if I'm going to listen to what they have to say, it's going to alter the way that I see myself and my purpose and my drive. Mm -hmm. And I refuse, I have to protect that with a vigilance. And and going back to like a couple of years ago when I started competing, I didn't, I didn't know I was a competitor or even when I started to do well in the gym, right? There's always a, a process. People would ask me, they're like, how did you get to that point? And I was like, you know what? I just lied to myself. I told, I walked in the gym and in my head, I'd have a conversation. And there was always that one be like, you don't deserve to be here. You aren't worthy of this. Just quit, go home. Mm-hmm. They're all better than you. And I was like, shut up. I was like, you're the baddest bitch in here, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I literally would tell myself that. And, you know, I would have like what we call CrossFit Tourette's yeah. um, in the middle <laughs> of my workout. I would just start laughing 
And I laugh because it's so painful. I laugh because I'm like, this is dumb, but I'm the baddest bitch in here and I'm going to finish. And I don't care from the last one, the first one, but this for me is feeding my soul and it's positive for me. And this is going, this is what is preventing me from going back to my old lifestyle. So as for critics, Mm -hmm. you can either take me or leave me. Mm -hmm. I'm not everybody's cup of tea Mm because I am a little bit of whiskey in a teacup. Ooh, I like that. I like that. You know, critics and naysayers and pessimists, uh, one of my previous guests said, they don't write history. It's people like you and and me that that write history uh, because we're willing to face the naysayers and the critics. And it goes back to that whole Teddy Roosevelt, you know, the, the, in the, like, unless you're in the arena, like competing, then I have a whole bag of, I have a whole bag of, exactly. You know, and another thing is, is that I got told for a long time that I was not capable of being an athlete, being an L1 trainer, owning my own gym. And I believed it for a while. And that experience to me, put me off on listening to what other people think, including my family mm-hmm. and friends. And trust me, when I started to get really into this lifestyle, I lost a lot of friends. They didn't understand it. They're like, why mm-hmm. aren't you going out right? You know, everybody goes through that. And they've asked me, how do I cope with it? I'm like, they're not in your life. And just know that they're, they don't know what your passion is. Mm-hmm. And I've said this several times. One of my, one of my favorite quotes is, is that uh, be relentless with your dreams even if you are the only one that believes in them. Nobody else sees your vision. It's only you. And so it's only your responsibility to execute it. Mm. And if you start listening to the naysayers, you're definitely going to start, you know, they, 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 they chip away at the armor. Yeah. And your belief oh, in yourself oh yeah. and your belief in your purpose is unmatched. Totally. As long as you, you hold, protect it. Oh, totally. Totally. hundred percent. You know, there's this, you're probably familiar with the story of David versus Goliath, right? (laughs) Everybody knows that, that David slayed Goliath, right? Mm -hmm. But unless you actually tiny and mighty, tiny and mighty, (laughs) but here's a crazy thing. And I love talking about David as an, as an entrepreneurial archetype or someone who is stepping into their purpose because when he went to go First of all, he goes up and he shows up at the at the fight and all the, his brothers are in a ditch, like scared, right? And he's like, hey, why isn't anybody fighting? And his brother says, hey, shut up. You're just here to watch. And he goes, oh yeah, check this out. He walks into, yeah, he goes and he walks up to King Saul and he says, hey, I'll fight your battle for you. And King Saul says, okay, and then, but you have to wear my armor. So he, King Saul takes his armor off and puts it on David, this little kid. David realizes that if, if he wears this thing out there, he's not going to be able to do his thing. Mm-hmm. So he has to shed that. Mm-hmm. And so we have to shed the same thing mm-hmm. when other people are in our lives trying to put their armor on us because they're afraid of failing or they're afraid of us failing or they're afraid about how our success or failure will reflect back on them. Yeah. And it's looking outside of yourself too much. Yeah, totally. Uh, Seeking, you know, having, it's almost like having to want somebody else to do the work for you Mm -hmm. um, or too much merit to somebody that isn't in your shoes. Mm -hmm. And it it can be, it can be poisonous. It can be disastrous. So you had a a rough 2017 
and oh. <laughs> you got you got put in the in the washing machine and tumbled around for a little bit, you know, by life. And yeah. uh, and one of those things was uh, was a was your foot. Yeah. And and as an athlete, like you know, everything starts from the ground up. And so literally the foundation of who you've become in terms of your brand and what you do was, was rocked to the core. So yeah. what, how did it challenge you? What did you start saying to yourself? How did you fix what you were saying to yourself and, and get back in the game and stay in the game? Um, Maybe you can take people back to how that happened actually first. You know, one, let me give you a little insight on Big Brother. You are completely socially isolated. You have no pen and paper, no music, no connection to the outside world. And when I say no connection, I mean no books, no magazines. There's no stimulus whatsoever. You are literally in social isolation with 15 other people and they're all plotting to get you out. Awesome. Good time, right? Um, I will say that it was also one of the best summers of my life. And in the morning, they wake you up and uh, me and Cowboy, we we always were the first ones up. So we dance because that's the only form of entertainment you have. (laughs) And I, you know, I jumped on his back and we got a piggyback ride. He slipped and we fell on my foot. I felt every bone break as it happened. And you want to talk about a moment of devastation. I rolled over and I said, I broke my foot. I had no idea what this meant. All I knew, and this is going to be a little funny, is that I didn't want to leave the show. I was like, not going out. Not going out like this. this. Nope. (laughs) Like, I am not going out. And I mean, because I went there for a purpose. I went there for a challenge. And I knew, and this is, you know, yet to be told, I've had an amazing athletic career. Like, beyond my wildest dreams for somebody that didn't play sports in high school or college, uh, smoked and did way too many drugs. Um, I should not have ever been an athlete just for those circumstances alone. And I got to compete at the highest level at the CrossFit Games. I got to compete um, nationally at the highest level with weightlifting. And I got to make history with NASCAR. Not a bad run, but I wasn't quite ready to retire yet. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I knew that this most likely was a career ending break. Mm. And, um, it, it was so devastating. I almost like, I was in shock. I just, I just was like, what in the world, you know, not even question questions. I just, I just knew it. And so in that moment, I'm not, I'm not a woe is me kind of person. Um, I'm a FIFO figure it fucking out. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew, I knew that, this was going to be something that I just had not ventured down before. And to control an absolute psychological breakdown of what had just happened, I just kind of said, okay, moving forward. Like, again, going back to that, there's no other option moving forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to keep going forward. I don't know what this means for me athletically, but I know that I will be able to, um, eventually get over this. And I, I mean, honestly, in that moment, I just, it was, it just rocked my world, man, to, t- to, to have something that you love so much that you're pretty darn good at mm. ripped away from you when it's not even, you know, w- without your choice. Mm. It was, it, it was mm-hmm. really heart wrenching. Mm. You know, you mentioned another really important word there and that's that word choice. 
because sometimes we don't have a choice in what happens to us, but we always have a choice in how we respond to what happens to us. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. I had a guy named Lou Holtz on the on the show a while back. He's a famous head coach for the University of Notre Dame football team years ago. That's cool. And uh, yeah, it was really neat. <laughs> I know nothing about football, but hey. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Uh, child, one of my childhood heroes. And um, he said, Mike, there's approximately 422,000 words in the English vocabulary. And the most important word among them is the word choice. You know, that is a home run statement, right? I know, there. right? Oh my God, talk about you know? like impact. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, thanks for being on the show, coach. I get, you know, I mean, look, that was a great, that was, I mean, it was like a game changing moment. So, <laughs> so when, what did you, okay, so you, you marched forward and you decided to stay on the show and then, yes. and you've just trusted, the, it seems like from what I've observed um, on the outside, it seems like you've just trusted the experts, trusted the process and kept, moving for as much as I was given. Yes. I didn't understand the severity of my break mm. until I was actually out of the house. Mm. And I mean, they told me what kind of break I had. They told me the timeline of recovery and they told me that this is the most painful one that you can have. And my surgeon said that it looked like a bomb went off of my foot. Like <laughs> one. So just to let you know, I had 10 breaks in my foot instead of the metatarsal. So if this is your foot, these are like your toe bones. And then this is like your growth plate. Instead of just breaking the metatarsals, um, I broke bones inside the growth plate. And a less frank fracture is when it goes, it breaks and goes up and back. Um, so I had 10 breaks mm. or dislocated toes my tendon that keeps my foot put together. And then my main uh, nerve was severed. Oh man. It, they actually had to use like a diver bone to reconstruct uh, the less Frank fracture, but it, it was, it, I mean, you may as, may as well just taken a hammer and just smash it on my foot and said, here you go, Christmas, cool, <laughs> fix it. Uh, it was, it was, I, I knew it was big, but I didn't know it was that big. And I didn't mm. know it was um, so restrictive in, in the recovery. Um, so I, I just didn't have a lot of information. I was not allowed to contact anybody because then I would be um, not allowed back on the show. And for me, once I make a commitment, I do everything in my power to fulfill it. Mm. And so that's what I, you know, I was like, well, of course I'm going to stay because I said I was going to do this. And as long as you guys approve me to stay, then I mean, isn't that your guys' job is mm -hmm. that if it's unsafe, then you'll, you'll make me leave. But if it's relatively safe, then I can stay. So I just leaned on their advice and expertise. And, um, and now that I was able to stay, I just, I had to fight to make sure it didn't look like I was in pain, um, that I needed help and, uh, that I belonged there and I, and I, I deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, that was one of the hardest things is I, I'm, I still have pain today. Mm. Um, I'm making progress. I'm finally getting underneath the barbell. I just saw you doing some, yeah. some power snatches and overhead squats. Oh, I full so, snatches, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Like, don't take that away from me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and it's just, it's been a really, really difficult recovery, not just physically, but mentally, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, you go from squatting a couple hundred pounds to couch squats, mm -hmm. not getting the same stimulus, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, beginner's mindset. Was that um, hard going, going into that beginner's mindset? 
I don't think it was a beginner. I don't think it was really a beginner's mindset. It was just, I, I could not physically get enough to stimulate me the way that I needed to have uh reprieve. Um, and I struggled like it, it was a really dark downward spiral for me. Mm. And then it, it got, it got worse. Yeah. Um, oh, really? Amplified as soon as I got out of the house. Yeah. What, the, the mindset or like, cause you had nothing or, or just unpack that. What happened? Um, so, you know, struggling to pretend like everything was okay was the least of the trouble, like least of the efforts in the sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was difficult. But when I got out of the house and realizing like, Hey, if you told me four to six months for recovery, we're looking at eight to 10 months and to be able to do my own research, to understand what kind of break I had to, you know, come out and then like reality hits you. I'm in this bubble, you know, like Mm -hmm. having a good time eating cookies at night, no big deal. (laughs) Um, Not being able to lean on any of my therapies, you know, writing, talking, social media, it is a therapy for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, communication, those things were taken away, especially my biggest therapy was working out. Mm -hmm. So when I came out of the house and I was still very limited to that, um, I, it just, the reality of being home and the adjustment, the shell shock from being in isolation for 92 days just overwhelmed me. And Mm. I, I was, I was really not okay for a while. Mm. Um, my team treated me different because I was so delicate. Mm -hmm. Um, there were times where I was just like, what's the point? And mm-hmm. I would convince myself just to, to go to sleep and have another day at it. And I mean, real, real, I mean, like to everybody else, you know, it's like, oh, Christmas was on Big Brother. Oh, like she has the world at her finger, you know, in her palm of her hands. But I was just like, I lost my purpose. I lost my drive. I lost my passion. And I wasn't interested in it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a combination of the entire year, and to be quite frank with you, uh, went through uh, a, my, a breakup with an engagement and we're close friends, you know, but it's still very devastating. Mm-hmm. I had a dear, dear friend, um, almost OD. Uh, and that's before I went into the house, went into the house, you know, in isolation. I broke my foot coming out. I'm in shell shock. I'm living alone the time. So that's like amplifying the issue and, um, just had to figure out how to slowly crawl out of it. And it was one of the top hardest times of my life. Who was the person? Was that, was there a a person or people that helped you to remember who you are? You know, um, yes. And once I was ready for it and I was, I went dark for a little while for sure. But once I kind of started coming out and I, I didn't know any other way other than to be brutally honest and authentic and vulnerable because I was like, look, I can't fake the funk guys. Mm-hmm. I've been able to do that through other times, but I cannot do it this time. And to read some of the stories of the fans that watched me on the show and they were like, look, I have, um, I have this deteriorating disease and they were like watching you go through it and never give up and not complain makes me, you know, gives me the courage and confidence to do it too. And like, that's a very short summary, but people telling me that they decided not to commit suicide. Mm. People telling me that they have, um, 
scoliosis, but they're going to still go out for wrestling. And, you know, just, just the, those empowering stories mm-hmm. just really, really helped me not feel alone. Mm-hmm. And that, that there is a purpose to what happened. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm like getting like truth bumps all over the place here. I mean, it, you know, I feel like a, a kin, you're a kindred spirit Christmas <laughs> and um, you are, you're having a, a tremendously positive impact in the lives of others. You're a game changer. And, <laughs> um, and that's, that's the type of people that I have on my show are people who are using their platform to have a game changing impact in the lives of others. And you're definitely one of those people. And I, I can honestly talk to you for like hours longer. Um, but I know that you're, you have plans to dominate the world and, uh, and your team does too. I know that there's people like ready for you. As soon as you open that door, they're going to be shuffling you off to another direction. So I want to be really respectful of your time. I have three more questions, but I would love to stay in touch with you and, yes. and continue our new friendship. I um, love this. And, and, you know, knowing the caliber of people that you have on the show, I'm truly honored to be part of that family. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, you are welcome anytime, anytime you have a message that you want a platform for my microphone is your microphone. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Speaking of online stuff, I want to make sure that people know how to connect with you online. So Mm -hmm. you're very active on Instagram. I know that, but is there any place else? You know, uh, honestly, it's real easy to stalk me. (laughs) 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 Like, um, my website, christmasabbot.com has all of the information that I do. Uh, honestly, if you sign up for my newsletter and I know it sounds so cheesy, like sign up for my newsletter, but I do a, a motivation Monday. So it's just a very quick read. It's not a long lengthy anything. It's not like me actually talking for an hour because I can nonstop. Mm -hmm. Um, and it gives you a little, uh, real life application, but it also gives you insight on what's happening, what's being launched. And so you can go to christmasabbat.com, Facebook is Christmas Abbot fan page or Instagram Christmas Abbot. And um, I would recommend the, the newsletter just because they get um, first dibs on anything that I roll out and they get steep discounts on anything that I roll out before anybody else. So that is the biggest thing. Okay, cool. Well, we'll, we'll link to all that in the show notes and stuff too. And uh, be sure to push that out. So I asked these last three questions of every single guest. And the first question is if you could pick any skill set that you currently possess, okay? So a skill set that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, what would it be? Like a practical skill or like a magical skill? Well, okay. Well, (laughs) since you're excited about the magical, let's do that. Okay. Um, You know, I I think that I do a really good job of... um, having people find their aha moment, mm-hmm. you know, and just like having the, giving them an opportunity to believe in themselves mm-hmm. and giving them an opportunity to amaze themselves. And I know that you see this and, you know, the most practical application of this is uh, like CrossFit, uh, we'll say, or working out. People come in there like, oh my gosh, I know that I would never be able to do a box jump at 20 inches. And so I, you know, I'm really good at just kind of talking them through that in a way that empowers them and it gives them the confidence to try it. Mm-hmm. And then they do it and they have just rocked their own world of this 
holy cow, I cannot believe I just did the impossible. Yeah. And they, you see this light bulb go off and you're just like, all right, my job's done. Because <laughs> at that moment, they are going to take whatever that experience, whether it's box jumps or you know writing their first essay or accomplishing their first goal, they're going to be able to take it and run from there. Yeah. But I, I think that I have a very special talent of getting them from A to B mm-hmm. and then the rest is theirs. Yeah, you have a gift. <laughs> it's called insight. <laughs> yes. And uh, there's this there's this great proverb. It says, the purposes of a person's heart are many and the one with insight draws them out. And you have that gift. Thank I, you. Yes, I can I feel it. Um, what are three lies? And I think you're going to love this question. You're going to crush this question because you're, you're a lie crusher. You're a truth teller. <laughs> um, what are three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent mm-hmm. us from realizing our full potential? Um, we're not worthy. You know, the, the fact that we don't deserve it, right? Worthiness. Um, it's out of your capability or expertise. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, well, I don't know what that's like. I'm like, learn it. Um, and um, that they really don't want it. Mm. Because they do. Yeah. 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 Be honest with yourself. Yeah. You either want it or you don't want it. And if you want it, go get it. I mean, if you, and, and I lied to myself for a long time. I did want a nice life. I did mm-hmm. want to be, you know, a, a, a good girl that, well, you know, like, I wanted that, but I didn't own it to myself. I didn't own up to it. And so I allowed myself, I, I'm not allowed. I made decisions going in the opposite direction because I thought it was less investment of my person. You know, I would give less and I would hurt less. And it's actual complete opposite. Yeah. Well, you know, the word decision is really a powerful word too when you think about it because it has the the CIS in there. Or yeah, CIS. So it's side or, or C-I-D-E, decide. So when you decide something, you kill something. You kill the yeah. opposite off. You know, you cut it off. And, uh, <laughs> I'm learning so much today. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Hey, that's what this is about, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm a learner always. That's, the, that's how we grow. Yes. The last question is a bit of a doozy, but it, it's the title of a book, which is a really great book called How Will, I, how will You Measure Your Life? And that's the question. So I, I am an advocator of describing your legacy. What are people going, you know, what are you leaving behind? Not including tangibles, right? What are you leaving behind that is going to be something that you're proud of? Mm-hmm. And for me, I believe that my legacy um, really falls on having, helping people change uh, realize that they have the power to change their life. Every day you wake up with an opportunity to change your life. Mm-hmm. And through that is my, my um, vehicles that I utilize are fitness, nutrition, motivational speaking, um, in, in whatever exposure I can. But ultimately that is, that is working towards my legacy. And that's what I want to leave. And I don't care if my name is attached. 
to be quite frank, like I really, my goal, especially with CAM, um, is to be able to go into corporations and go from the top down where there's companies with thousands or, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and they don't know who Christmas Abbott is. They don't give a shit on what I've done, but mm-hmm. they know that the program that they're working on is changing their lives and they're finding confidence and they're finding empowerment to make a better life for themselves. And I want to just sit back kind of like the Oz behind the curtain and just giggle. <laughs> I love <laughs> and it. I was one of those people that helped spearhead, um, that change. I love it. You know, Christmas, this has been an amazing conversation and a, a newfound friendship, I think. And, um, and I'm, I'm excited for what you're creating in the world. And I have a challenge for you. I love a challenge. Okay. <laughs> so I was just talking with my wife about this um, the other day because she was recently guest number 100. Um, that's as I love that so much. Yeah, family goals. Yes, family goals. <laughs> as, as um as we're recording this, that episode hasn't released yet, uh. So we're it's top secret because I I'm building it up, but everybody listening now will have heard it by then. But when I asked her this question, I had a I had an epiphany, which is that you know we all want we all want to leave a legacy, right? To have an impact, and we want people to to um talk about it. And, and we want the same thing for other people, right? We want other people to have an impact and leave a legacy, et cetera. So my challenge to you, should you accept it, Mission Impossible style, is, <laughs> is to call up the five most important people in your life and to tell them how much you love them, that you believe in them, that you're grateful for them, and how can you help them accomplish something that they, an obstacle, overcome something or do something. How can you help them? That's the challenge for you. Challenge accepted. And I am so excited. I love this. I love this. And since you're a social media queen, documented on social media. Yes. I will, I promise you, I will document it as much as I possibly can. Yes, 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 yes. Pending their permission, you know, privacy. Or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wanting. Yes, but, yes, um, yes, yes. But otherwise, I'll, I'll be in there. I'm like, yeah, hey. yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. That's yeah. a beautiful challenge. Okay, awesome, awesome. <laughs> and and I will next... pass them on the challenge as well. Okay, yes, yes, do it. Pay it for like the ice bucket, but like exactly. positive bucket. But the positive bucket, yeah. <laughs> the, the love bucket, the belief the bucket. bucket. Yeah, I like that so much. Uh, now, of course, when you get into Santa Cruz next, uh, we'll have to have a workout at Greg's gym. I know. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. And then we'll we'll go have lunch afterwards and change the world. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Christmas Abbott just released an amazing new product called the Christmas Abbott Nutrition. Christmas Abbott Nutrition is her all-encompassing lifestyle program that provides step-by-step instructions to nourishing your best body, achieving a higher quality of life, and a heightened sense of self-worth. You'll discover how to make a once-complicated subject, nutrition, work for you and your lifestyle, increase your willpower and self-confidence, overcome negative thinking, and increase your creative and logical thinking. Christmas provides a weekly lesson plan and subject of focus to help you dial in your journey, including how to build your plate, all about macro and micronutrients, 
eating in and dining out, caffeine, sugar, booze, nutrient timing, cheat meals, snack, sleeping, and supplements, just to name a few. So you can head over to christmasabbott.com and learn all about Christmas Abbott nutrition and all of our other badass products over there, again, at christmasabbott.com. And if you need to, you can head over to the show notes. We'll have it all linked there. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com. The Lot and Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact. Mm-hmm.